0: I'm Lisa. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Kate. And this is Watcher Harry, a podcast where three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe.
2: All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to our first episode of Watcher Harry. Um, In this intro episode, we're just going to give you a little bit of an idea of what you can expect from the podcast, a little bit more about us, why we've decided to make this podcast now, um, and just kind of give you an idea of where we're going to go, what we're going to do going forward. So to start out, um, my name is Sean. Kate, Lisa, and I have been friends for over a decade now. We went to college together. And we bonded during our time over our weird and obsessive love of Harry Potter. Um, And in the years since we've been in college, we have continued to text and call and chat with each other about Harry Potter pretty much nonstop.
1: (laughs) And like party. Around Harry Potter. (laughs) We can talk about my 30th birthday at some other time.
2: Lots of Harry Potter themed birthday parties, lots of Harry Potter themed (laughs) costumes in the time each (laughs) other. Also, 10 years. Wow. 10 years. 12
0: years. years. Wow. That's, That's a long.
1: We were awkward freshmen who needed Harry Potter to connect yep. with other people
2: yeah mm-hmm. Lisa and i actually went through a period of time where we would get really drunk and we would make unbreakable vows with each other like constantly yeah i'm still scared and one of these days one of us is going to drop dead because we just don't remember one of them yep so yeah so that uh that is how we know each other uh kate had the idea a couple of weeks ago um after a harry potter themed birthday party where we just drunkenly talked for hours about our love for Harry Potter, that maybe we should finally have a platform where we can do this in a slightly more official capacity.
1: Yes. So we can stop the midnight texting and I can stop talking to my partner about all of these ideas. I have a feeling that
0: to increase the midnight texting. We're going to be perfectly honest. Um, Yeah. But you know
2: So the parts of Harry Potter that we are specifically interested in are the kind of weird in-universe details. So this podcast is not going to be book club style. It's not going to be a read-along. We're obviously going to talk about the plot of the books, but we're not as interested in a chapter-by-chapter analysis as we are in just looking at the larger Harry Potter universe, diving deeper into that, kind of exploring some of the history around these topics or just our weird feelings about them. Um so some episode topics that you can expect in the future are general topics like house elf welfare and where's it in healthcare? Uh, who are the hottest himbos in the in Hogwarts? All these Hot things takes. that we feel very passionately about. Um uh but there are still obviously we are going to talk about the plot. Um this is going to be a spoiler heavy podcast. If you are new to the books, I would not recommend starting here. Um, This is definitely for someone who has completed the series or has watched all of the movies and has a general idea of where the plot is going.
0: Yeah, and we are not necessarily going to control our language at any given time. Um, It's not that any of us are specifically, you know, trash-mouthed, but we're not not trash-mouthed. Yes, we are. (laughs) Yeah, we, we pretty much are.
2: Yeah, so, so. careful if, uh, if you have kids in the room when you're listening to this. There there will be cusses.
0: Yes. <laughs> so we
1: all feel that it's really important to address the elephant in the room here, which is what's going on with JK Rowling and the trans community and the queer LGBTQIA community. Um, JK has tweeted some really alienating and controversial things about transgender people, specifically people who identify as trans women. And she's being called a TERF by the community. And what that stands for is trans exclusionary radical feminist, which isn't a self-identifying term, but something we can use to name someone who's delegitimizing trans identities and actively you know, highlighting trans women as not, not women. Um, and as a bonus, she's been saying she supports the LGBTQIA community, um, which is bold and really gaslighting behavior, and it doesn't sit right with any of us. And it's complicated. So we just want to name that before we jump into the podcast. I am a queer and trans-identifying non-binary fan of the Harry Potter series, and I have been for over two-thirds of my life as a lifelong fan ultimately I refuse to give her that power over how I feel about my identity in this world um, what I do feel bad about is all the the young people the young trans identifying the young queer people who are confused about their identity who love Harry Potter because it's been a safe space for them um, in just departure into fantasy and now in their lived reality they have this person who constructed that world completely alienating them and a common experience for trans youth and trans people in general who are just starting to question is um, experiencing imposter syndrome and Um, experiencing a sense of their identity being invalid or fake or somehow perform performative and um, you know if if they're going to absorb this material that's not only on jk rowling's twitter but is now flooding with media coverage i mean that's potentially harmful and trans youth are already very vulnerable um to those those anti-trans societal messages so um, that that's my stake in what she's been saying. And, you know, I'm firm enough in myself as a 30 year old fan to be able to separate the, the world, the wizarding world from what the author is now saying publicly about different things. So um, it's highly complicated, but other queer and trans folks I've talked to um, who are adults and who are maybe further along in their understandings of their identities, they have done the same thing. They've been like, fuck her. Like, this is my fandom. This is part of my identity. And, you know, it's, it's an ongoing conversation about how to separate the, the art from the artist. But in this, uh, this world just means so much to me personally that I refuse to allow her to make me feel any differently about myself. Um, but this is something that I anticipate us continuing to unpack throughout the series and um, touch back on because it's it's really important to not skim over because um, you know, J.K. Rowling is still coming out with things like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them installments and she'll continue to milk this of all the money she can I anticipate by producing new material and now she's this fully formed transphobic person so how do we how do we deal with that how do we um, reconcile ourselves with spending money um, and contributing to her worth, I don't fucking know, her platform. So it is complicated. Um, I'm interested in in hearing how you two feel about it as folks who I would call allies to the community or otherwise not identifying as within the community.
2: Yeah, I I think I can probably speak for Lisa and myself that we we are uh, pro-trans, anti-JK when it comes to Harry Potter. Um, And obviously, I understand that there are a ton of fans who have turned away from the fandom because of her remarks. And I think that is a choice for everyone to make. You have to do what makes yourself feel safe and feel comfortable. And I totally understand that some people are are just not, un- which de- is so devastating, but are not safe in this world anymore. And obviously we completely support that. Um, but we are along with Kate coming from a point of view that you know we are trying to change our own consuming habits as fans to try to give her as little financial support as we possibly can um without having to turn our backs on this franchise that has been so important to us and and so important to so many so yeah Kate I think you summed it up perfectly for me
0: yeah I think it's I think it's important to you know not lean away from all of the the hateful things that she's just put out in the world, but then also you know it's it you can't erase how formative this series was for so many of us growing up um, and I think that it's gonna, it's really hard to reconcile those two extremely conflicting things um, and You know, we're going to continue to be very critical of her um, just, you know, kind of as we're going through everything and making sure that, you know, we are creating a safe space in our discussions and, you know, trying to be as sensitive and, you know, thoughtful as we can.
2: Yeah. And I, and as, as both of you said, we, we will be critical towards her throughout the podcast both in the kind of problematic things that she says as well as just some of the the truly wild shit that she has included in these books or has talked about things. these books. Um but this is I think at the end of the day not a negative podcast. We didn't set out to create a Harry Potter podcast where all we did was talk about how terrible Jakey Rowling is, um even though she is uh this is at the end of the day, I think a celebration of the love that we have for these books. And even when we are critical of them or of their creator, I don't think that erases for us the impact that it has had on our lives and continues to have on our lives. Um, So it will just be a matter of trying to balance the the genuine joy we feel for this story with the kind of outside influences that have unfortunately made it impossible to, to read these without keeping those in mind.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of how Sean said, like, we have a genuine love for this series. Like we have a genuine love for these books. We, the community I think is what I genuinely love about these series, um, is that, um, you know, the community that came out of Harry Potter, the friendships that I have created over the years of just getting drunk and challenging people to Harry Potter trivia, on a very regular basis, has given me truly the purest joy that I can ever ask for, and it's also given me two of my very best friends in my life. Um, and I, you know, one of the things that was always so wonderful for me um, with Harry Potter, um, and this is actually something I, you know, said to Sean several years ago. Um, but my whole family read Harry Potter. We read it at the same time. My family is a single mom, three daughters, and we loved Harry Potter. And so we loved being able to like talk about it and get together and read the stories together. And it was just such a beautiful way for to bring us together. And I think that because the books were they're simple, they're very simple. but the, you know, you can make them as you know you can your reactions to them aren't simple and i think that that is something that's really great about the series and why i love them so much
1: i think that's a really beautiful way of capturing sort of the feeling around it that our reactions to what you know could be seen as simple themes uh universal themes in the hero's journey um you know as it's part of this other world that is, for some reason, very relatable to so many people. And it's a point of bonding. I mean, I remember on our freshman floor, we were all out at, we were sharing a huge freshman floor meal, talking about OWLs and what we got on them, which didn't make any sense. We were just having fun. And ultimately, I think for me, this world boils down to a feeling and a sense of wonder and a sense of fun and I think our age group in particular so we are all nearing our 30s or in our 30s rather Still 30, 29 29 you're you're yeah. a baby you're so Just young I'm in my 20s guys youthful essence um yeah I think we have a special connection to the series because It came out when we were nine and 10. We were essentially Harry's age, reading these in second grade and kind of grew with the characters as the stories matured and the themes matured, so did we. Um, I don't know any other experience like that uh, at all, regardless of whether it's fictional or real world. Um, And for me, I don't even think it was necessarily escapism uh, as much as relating to something, bigger than myself, still rereading them as an adult. So it, it truly is magical and, um, I don't know, just kind of unlocked something that I never was in touch with as a kid um, in terms of feeling connected to imagination and not being embarrassed about it, um, like sort of seeing it reflected in an external way. And um, I just still continue to love it more and more um as an adult
2: yeah i have such vivid memories like i know exactly where i was when i first started reading harry potter i you know i was nine years old i was in third grade and i think at that point two of the books were out and we were waiting for ask azkaban was just about to come out and i remember being on my porch and like opening up and reading the first chapter like i have such a vivid memory of being there in a way that like i don't have with any other book, I could tell you where I was in every single, when every single book came out, I can tell you where I was reading, I have, I I can mentally see myself there. And that's insane. And nothing else means that much to me that I could tell you that. And as someone who has struggled with depression and anxiety from my teens, through my, you know, my current adult years, like, Harry Potter was just something that was so important to me when i was a teenager it was somewhere that i could go and i could turn to when i like just was not feeling well um and it, it just became not even escape for like escapism it became such a lifeline for me and i just can't imagine not having that you know when i was 16 and like going through depression for the first time i don't know what i would have done without harry potter and you know if that just continues to be such a touchstone for me when i'm not feeling, you know, the most mentally with it, or when I'm feeling really, really anxious, knowing that like, I can reach for these books, and that will like, help connect me to my reality again. And I, I just don't have any, there is no other, you know, fictional thing in my life that even comes close to that.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful that you can use it as a coping tool and that you have for, you know, over half of your life at this point. Um, Even now, back last summer during, you know, we're a few months into quarantine, I picked up book one again, even though the transphobic shit was coming out on the internet and was like, nope, rejecting that, but accepting this as like the most, it's comfort food. It's like spiritual to a point of like, you can go home into your inner child and, remember where you were like you said I remember where I was for every book release and the 24-hour essential binge read that happened with it because it just felt so good and so important um, and I'm so glad that it it's you know possible to go back to and you know what's gonna happen in the story but it still matters how you get there
0: yeah, I think it it's something that helped everybody get get through everything and and last year, you know I picked it back up again, too during the pandemic because you know I was going through a really, really rough breakup and in a weird living situation and had some weird insomnia and needed something to get me through and um you know, picking up the Harry Potter audiobooks, which was something I did not have as a kid. um, it brings a totally different life to it, um you know, and everybody has different opinions on which um which narrator they prefer um jim dale or stephen fry but you know i prefer to download my audiobooks illegally so i have a mix of both um so <laughs> i i genuinely enjoy being able to you know hear it from that perspective and it also just helps you know the the characters are it's comforting you can you can you it's comforting to fall into it's like a blanket that you've had since you were a kid it's something that you will always have. It's something that you can always fall into. And it's it's something that you can comfortably rely on as a tool to, you know, just help you feel like yourself for a second. Yeah.
1: Um, I'd like to share, I don't know where this fits, but I've never told anyone this When I was a kid, after reading like the first two books, probably waiting for the third to come out, Sean, or the fourth, um, I used to fantasize about getting an owl of Harry and Hermione letting me know they were my parents. (laughs) 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 Which kind of tells you how into my parents I was at that point and kind of shows you who I shipped, not knowing that Ron was gonna come in for some reason clutch. And, And I would fantasize that they were coming to pick me up. And I remember laying on my back porch being like, that would be so fucking cool. I want to get my Hogwarts letter. And like, despite knowing intellectually that that was not real, it was like this fertile ground for imagination to totally take over. And I would lay in my bed and be like, (laughs) alohomora at my door (laughs) just like or like think about flying on a broom and just like know in my body what it would feel like while intellectually knowing that that wasn't real but it was so real and just so whole body and whole imagination and whole just augmented reality that is magical in the sense of what we can experience and so to love it as an adult still is just like this suspension of the reality we're living in now with all the things we know about the world and that's just the most like beautiful thing I can think of.
2: My favorite part about that story is not that you like fantasize about getting like your Hogwarts letter which I think is like a very common fantasy but that you were like, and then maybe these two 12-year-old British children will adopt me. <laughs> <I know. laughs> They're like really- same-aged ward.
1: No, but <laughs> I understood that they were somehow older, <laughs> which they were, but
0: not that much older. No, they were only, no, only like five years older. <laughs> it was extreme imagination. <laughs> Although if we're going off of the Harry Potter world, then five years older is plenty of time for them to get married and have children. because Twenty-one. That's
2: what- do they do <laughs> they're
1: like yeah
2: well we'll talk we'll talk about we'll that, talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about the, the Weasleys has started having kids in their like sixth year no. you know, like, we're matter. gonna talk, we'll talk about, about it.
1: it i love that you like harmonized when you whatever said the,
2: talk about it. the sex lives of the weasleys will be an entire oh, episode very I mean.
1: passionate all
0: right so um yeah, so that kind of brings us to our next episode, um, which will be airing at the same time as this one. Um, so feel free to stick around. Um, that one is going to be about the horniest books. Um, so we're starting off on a really serious topic. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or just any topic suggestions or anything that you might want to share with us, um, if you want to rip us apart, whatever you want to do. Um, so our email is um, Pod at gmail.com
2: um please don't set please don't rip us apart if i read any negative comments i'll die
1: yeah well how have we hurt you yet
0: (laughs) yeah it's only been like 20 minutes guys don't rip us apart yet (laughs) give us like three episodes before you say anything give us a chance thank you for listening all
2: thank you guys thank you the Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, Lisa Moen, and Kate Kelleher. Our editing is done by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macabre, Busy Strings by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.